It's crazy. That song was written in 1876. And here in 2017, you guys can have a seat. Here in 2017, we're singing that song as a, as a congregation. And, and it's just as powerful today as, as it was back then. See, that's the thing about music. Music has a way of, of connecting with us that, that simple words can't do. You know, I'm sure everyone in this room has a song that when they hear it, it resonates and it brings them back to a specific moment in their life. And, and for me, it's actually this song. And it's not just hymns, it's not just worship songs, it's, it's you know, some of the regular songs we hear on the radio. Whenever I hear uh, Yellow by Coldplay, it's a good song. I picture my beautiful wife walking down the aisle, and I'm sitting there shaking because I'm nervous, and this beautiful woman is, is coming, and, uh, coming up, and there's all these, my friends around me, my family around me, and I'm just like, how did I get so lucky? But when I hear that song, it brings me back to that moment. And sometimes it's good memories and sometimes it's bad memories. You know, my dad wasn't around when I was a kid. And I've shared a bit about my story before. My dad was an addict and he came in and out of my life. And there's this artist named Brian Adams. You guys ever heard of Brian Adams? You know? You guys might, some of you guys are way too young. Your parents know. Ben, Mike, you know who Brian Adams is. Um... And, uh, you know, summer of 69, he had some, he had some good, good, uh, some good stuff. It was wholesome. It was good. And, uh, and, and the thing about it, though, is, is when I hear Brian Adams, it actually makes me sad because my dad, you know, I wouldn't see him for a year or six months or whatever, and he would come, and he would, he would come and, and visit us. And, and I knew that when I saw my dad, as happy as I was to see him, I was 10 times more sad because I knew he was going to leave. And, and although it was like, oh, I, my dad, you know when you're a kid and you're, your dad and you just love him and he's, you know, he's, he's big and strong and you just want to be protected and you just want him to be there. And, and I knew that when we were listening to, to Brian Adams in his car, because that's what we would do when he would come and see us, we would go drive around his car. And um, I knew that it meant he was going to leave. And when I hear Brian Adams to this day, I'm, I'm brought back to six and seven and eight-year-old Stuart sitting there after my dad has gone crying in my room because I know he's gone and, and I don't know when I'm going to see him again. And music has a way of doing that. And even as a grown man, it brings these emotions back that I, that I didn't know were there. And I love my dad. I've forgiven my dad. i got a great relationship with my dad. But, but I give that example to talk about how it connects with us in, in a level that's just so profound. And this song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, I, I've shared a bit about this before, but whenever I hear it, it brings me back to this time in my life that is so powerful and the emotions are so visceral and I, and I, can, I, I literally can see myself there. So I, had, I was homeless, I was a drug addict, and I had just gotten off... Um, you know, I, I just kind of figured my life out. I had just gotten sober. My dad, who was also homeless and living on the streets, he had also gotten sober at the same time. And I got sent to this camp, and it was a Christian camp. 
And it was amazing. I met one of my best friends there. His name's Ben, and he's a very talented musician and an even more talented skateboarder. And we became really close friends. And it, this was outside of Medicine Hat. And we had to drive six hours from Medicine Hat back to, back to Edmonton, where I was living at the time. And Ben had literally the crappiest car in the entire world, let me tell you. It was like... A 1975 black Chevy, we spray-painted. It was just so garbage that you could just spray-paint on it, and it was like, whatever. It probably more valuable. The paint added a couple pennies to it. And, um, and, and we were driving in this crappy car, and we'd have to stop every hour because it would overheat, and it only had a tape player in it. And I opened up his glove box, and there was a tape that said Ben, a white tape that said Ben on it. And I'm like, Ben, why do you have your own tape in your glove box? It's, it's kind of weird. And uh, so I put it in the tape player, and it was Ben, and he was a worship leader, and it was him singing this song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And I listened to it on the way home, and, and as he dropped me off in front of my place, he gave me the tape, and he said, Stuart, have this. And it meant a lot to me because I looked up to him, and at that point I had nothing. And when he dropped me, I won't call it a home, when he dropped me in front of where I was living, Where we were living at the time is my dad had just gotten off the streets and I had just gotten sober. And while I was gone, my dad saved up enough money to get us a a, a really small basement suite. And we didn't have, I had nothing. We didn't have, we only had enough money to pay for the first month's rent, which was like, what, six or seven hundred dollars. We didn't have enough money for, like, we didn't have any furniture. I didn't even have a blanket, let alone a bed. We didn't have money for electricity, For a few weeks, I sat there. My dad was a long-distance truck driver at the time. He went through a Salvation Army um, program to get sober, and he learned how to be a truck driver. And he was a truck driver driving all across the country so that he could pay for this place. So here I was, newly saved, just gotten sober, and I had this amazing experience at camp. And then all of a sudden, I'm put back in this place with no furniture and no lights and no heat. And I'm sitting in this lonely dungeon, being like, God, I thought when I became a Christian, things were supposed to get better. And I was happy because I had a roof over my head. But I was depressed because I'm sitting, and I actually turned 18 at the time. And my 18th birthday was sitting alone in that dark place because I didn't have any friends. I didn't have family, or I did have my dad, but he was away. And it was really depressing. And I remember going to sleep at night, I would wrap my sweaters around me, and I would take some socks and wrap them in a shirt, and I would use that as a pillow. And I'm not saying that so you feel sorry for me. This isn't a, you know, let's see whose story is the worst type of thing. Your story is important regardless if you lived on the streets, regardless if you did drugs. If you've been a Christian your whole life, your story is important. I'm just telling you that to paint a picture of where I was in that point in my life. And I remember I lived about two blocks away from Value Village in Edmonton, and I had a tape. So I went to Value Village, and for two bucks, I bought a tape player, a white one, to go with my white tape. And this one, like, let let me tell you something. This was 2004. Tape players weren't cool back then. It wasn't like, oh, this is dope. Like, I'm not that old, okay? Like, tape players were lame back then. Like, even CD players at the time were starting to come out of style. So I was, like, super lame. And I would sit in my room. And I would press play on this tape, and I would sit there with nothing around me in a dark room, and I would press play. And it would go, what can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I would listen to that song over and over and over, and I would stop it, and I would flip it over, and I would just keep listening to it over and over and over. And I was drawn to it because I felt like I was in the song. I felt like when the writer wrote that song, he was writing it for me because that song starts off with two questions. I mean, the whole song is a question and then an answer. But this says, what can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? And I was sitting there so broken, on my knees, hands up to God. You know, there, there's, there's ways we ask questions. We can ask questions like a normal question like, okay, God, you know, or whatever, how are you doing? It's just a general question. But then there's times when we ask questions out of pure agony. And I was on my knees saying, God, what can make me whole again? I am broken. My life is a series of, of brokenness and despair and hurt and pain. What can make me whole again, God? And I, I couldn't read my Bible very well at the time. I wasn't one of those people who heard the audible voice of God and God would come down and say, Stuart, this is how it is. And that wasn't me. I was struggling to hear the voice of God in a moment of, in a, not a moment, in a, just in a time of serious pain. And, the, and God started to speak to me through that song. See, because it asks the question, but then it gives the answer. But the thing about the answer, so what's the answer? We all sung it tonight. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as I was agonizing and I was saying this over and over and over and saying, God, where are you? I'm broken. I'm alone. I'm dealing with depression. I'm, I'm dealing with suicidal thoughts. I'm, I, so much is going, my life is a joke. My life is... And he said, Stuart, look at the answer. And see, the crazy thing about that answer is that on the surface, it's simple. You know, as Christians, we say these things and they almost become second nature that sometimes we don't really understand what it is we're saying. But it was nothing but the blood. But, but here's the thing. That simple answer is so profound. And guys, what I'm talking about tonight, this is, this is elementary stuff. But, but I think that sometimes we need to go back to the basics. And we need to talk about some of the simple stuff because I, I see a God who says that to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to become like children. And sometimes becoming like children means, means get back to our roots and talking about some simple stuff. So this isn't earth-shattering stuff tonight. It's simple, but it's profound. But the answer was this, the blood of Jesus. But if you just said, what fixes you? What makes you whole? If you just said the blood of Jesus, you would be partly right and partly wrong. Because the truth is, is yes, it is the blood of Jesus. But the bigger truth is, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? The answer isn't just the blood of Jesus. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you went to a doctor and you had a horrible flu or something, and you were sick and you were in so much pain, and you said, doctor, doctor, please help me. I need to get better. I'll do anything. Just please help me. And if the doctor came to you and he said, okay, well, you can take this medicine. I think this medicine's pretty good. You would maybe try that medicine, and maybe you'd try some other medicine. But if the doctor looked you square in the eyes and said, listen, you can only take this medicine. Anything else you take will not make you any better and actually will make you worse. You can only, see the difference there? The doctor's telling you only this medicine. 
And that is what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, listen, only me, nothing else. And as I sat there broken, I started to realize that it was only him and nothing else. And I was trying, and I had tried my whole life up to that point to find fulfillment, to find redemption, to find grace, to find anything in a, in a myriad of different things. But when the truth of that song hit me, that it was nothing but, changed my life. See, when we talk about the believe, us Christians, we talk about weird stuff. You know, like if you went to your friend and, and, and your friend was like, hey, you want to come to a party? And, uh, and they're like, sure. And you got there and they were singing, oh, poor blood on me. This is great. Yeah. You'd be like, this is a weird party. Can we just admit that sometimes we say weird things as Christians? It's like, I want to bathe in the blood. Like, whoa, this is weird. This is weird. Let's just be real. Come on, let's be real. Right? That's weird. But the truth is, is that when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're really talking about two things. We're talking about grace, and we're talking about redemption. Grace and redemption. See, when, when Robert Laurie and others in the 1800s, when they would write about and sing songs about the blood, you could essentially just take out blood and put grace. And really what we're singing is, is the grace of God. And see, that's what God has for every single one of us. And see, the truth is, is that we are fallen, we are broken. Now, you might not be like me. You might not have been through a life where you really are broken, and you have nothing, and you're sitting alone after, uh, after uh, overdosing on drugs, getting kicked out of your house, being homeless. You might not have lived that. But I can tell you that there's probably parts in your life that are broken. And the truth is, is that all of us are broken to some extent because we all fall. Paul tells us in Romans, we all fall short. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But it is through his grace and mercy that brings us redemption. We are redeemed. And so I stopped walking around as a broken man and started to realize the truth that was in my heart, that God had placed in my heart. Stuart, you're not broken. You're not a puzzle that can't be put together. You have my grace, and you are redeemed. Because they don't call me the redeemer for nothing. They call me the redeemer because I redeem you. And when I started to realize that, it started to change my life. Grace. What is grace? Grace is a powerful thing. Grace is essentially giving something to someone that doesn't deserve it. That is grace. And I was trying to come up with an analogy of like, how can I explain the grace of God? And the only thing that I could come up with that even remotely resembles what the grace of God looks like in our life is, let's say you went to the first doctor and he said, like I said, you have to only take this medicine. And you said, nah, I'm just going to keep taking this other stuff and I'll keep eating these chocolate bars. They're good for me. And eventually, you're literally at the point where now you are on your deathbed, right? You have a terminal illness. And this doctor comes to you and he says, listen, I can do a surgery that can save you. But I want you to know that this surgery, we're in the United States at this point. It costs $10 million. You're not in Canada, right? We've got free health care here. Right? 
Hey, God bless the USA. Um, but God bless free healthcare. And, um, and uh, you know, but, but, but you're, you're there. And the doctor says, listen, I, I got a procedure that can save you, but it's $10 million. And you're in poverty. You have nothing. You're going to die if you don't get the surgery. And the doctor says, listen, okay, I'll do it for free. That's grace. But that's not the end of the story because that's not just Jesus. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I'll do the surgery for you. Oh, but by the way, it's actually your heart that's broken. So I'm going to take my own heart out and I'm going to pay for your surgery and I'm going to give you my heart and put it in your body. That's what Jesus does. He's not just the surgeon that pays for our, our surgery. He's also the organ donor that takes his heart out and gives it to us. Like that's what Jesus is. That's what grace is. And that's the grace of God that's in our lives. He says, listen, I will take care of you. I have given myself. That's grace. If you look at the New Testament, it is filled with the grace of God. And again, grace is something you don't deserve it. You don't have the money for it. You can't repay it. There's nothing you could ever do to make up for it. That's the grace that God gives us. That's the grace that Jesus gives us. Paul talked so much about grace that he was known as the apostle of grace. Because he understood, I think more than anyone in the New Testament, what the grace of God looks like. And I have this, uh, I wanted so badly not to use my notes, but there's a, there's a little uh, a scripture I wanted to say. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, but a gift from God. So what does that mean? So what's the point of grace? point of grace is redemption. So think about it this way. Grace is Jesus coming in and giving you surgery plus taking his heart and giving it to you. Redemption is you walking out of that surgery room. Redemption is a a new being. Grace is you, is Jesus giving it to you and redemption is you walking out and saying, I am a new person. And that is what God wants for us. That's what his grace for is for us. His grace for us it's to make us new people. People who know him. People who stand tall. People who know who we are in Jesus Christ. Because do you know what? You know what? I'm sitting here and I look across this room. I see hundreds of people who I believe if they truly understand who they are in Jesus Christ, they will change the world. They will change this city. Uh, you know, you look at the big things that have happened in the world and it's usually a very small amount of people who, but who understand their purpose and understand what they're called to do. And when you understand two things, when you understand the grace that Jesus has for you and how that results in redemption for you, your life and the world will never be the same. Because what does it mean to be redeemed? Like I said, it means we're new. It means we we are created brand new. And as a person sitting there on my knees saying, God, I am so broken. Father, I am so messed up. I am so dirty. Understanding that he had grace for me and that he didn't see me the way I saw myself. He saw a redeemed man who could change the world. Guys, I'm not breathing just for the sake of breathing. I'm not existing just for the sake of existing. My purpose in this world is to change it. My purpose in this world is to make a difference, however small it might look at the time. And can I tell you that my purpose is no different than your purpose. That is why we're here. 
is to make a difference in this world. It's to see the world come to Jesus. It's to see the things that happened like yesterday in the United States in a church where 27 people are killed worshiping God. And loving people through that. And while the whole world is going crazy, we stand firm saying, I know who God is. I know who my Savior is. And I am not swayed by the things that happen because the truth is the truth. Does that make sense? You guys get what I'm saying? So what does it all mean? So why do I say all this stuff? I just wanted to preach really quick. I'm going to be done in like five, ten minutes here. But the reason I wanted to tell you this, I know it's simple. As Christians, we understand about grace. We understand about redemption. But I just wanted to bring us home sometimes because sometimes we sing these songs and I don't know that we really understand what we're saying. And that's not a condemnation for anyone in this room. I'm talking to Stuart Young. Saying, when you sing these songs, do you understand? Is that in your heart? Do you understand what you're saying when you sing nothing but the blood of Jesus? Are you living that in your heart? Are you building that foundation? Because if you look at the, tra- the trajectory of my life, up until the point where I, I met God through that song and I really understood and I started to build my life on that foundation, my life was all over the place. But when I started to understand the foundation of grace, that God loved me so much that he gave his life for me, and what did that result in? Redemption. That I'm a new man every single day. When I started to build my, my spiritual life on those foundations, nothing was the same. Because can I tell you, it's not like my life instantly got better. It's not like I was sitting there listening to the song, and I was like, oh, yeah, grace and redemption. And all of a sudden, butterflies flew out the sink, and unicorns started running around. That'd be rad if that happened. <laughs> Life was still hard. My lights still didn't work. I still didn't have a bed or a pillow or a blanket. So it's not like instantly everything got better. But once I started to realize that, you know what got better? Me. My situation didn't change, but how I looked at my situation sure did. And how I look at every situation. You know, over that, so I'm 32 now. This happened when I was 18. That's 14 years ago. My life hasn't been easy since then. It's not like all of a sudden I got out of being kicked out of school I got kicked out of, the, of school that the kids who get kicked out of school go to. Do you know what I'm saying? Like all the bad kids go to the school and then I got kicked out of the bad kids' school. Like, it, I was proud of it. Um, <laughs> not really, come on. Um, but, but I'm saying like I had to work my butt off. Oh my goodness, I didn't have, like I had a grade nine education. I had no money. I had nothing. Family, Nothing. And today I have a very, very different life. And that's not to say, look at how great my life is or anything like that. But it's to say, listen, I struggled. I fought. I struggled with my faith. I struggled with my choices. I struggled with sacrifices. But the truth was, I struggled with failure. It's not like I stopped failing. I failed all the time. But I stopped being afraid of failing. Because I knew that I had the grace of Jesus Christ on my life. And the grace of Jesus Christ doesn't mean that everything I touch, it's not a Midas touch. When you become a Christian and, oh, you have the grace of God. Oh, you're a child of God. Right? Everything you touch turns to gold. It's like, ooh. Right? That's not how it works. I touch some stuff and it turns to crap pretty quick. Trust me. 
I'm, yeah, I got the stew touch. It's the opposite of the Midas touch. It's like, there's a turd, there's a turd, there's a turd. Right? Everything I touch turns to poop because we're in church. We say poop. All right? But, but what I'm saying is it's like not like everything got easy. But it changed because I stopped caring. And when I did care, when I was, because, you know, I admit I'm a human being. I still fear. I still have fear creeps into my life. I have a great family. I have a great job. I have all these great things. And sometimes I get afraid of losing them. But the difference now is before, without knowing the grace and the redemptive power of Christ, I would have tried to do all of that on my own strength. I'd have tried to do everything I can to keep it into one little bucket and make sure nothing happens. And now I'm like, you know what, God? Your grace. If I lose it, I lose it. Because it's not about what we have. It's about what we have with you. And if you can take me as a 17-year-old sitting in the dark with nothing, then you can, you can figure anything out. So I, I, I'm a normal person. I have fears, but I give those fears to God. Does that make sense? That's why I talk about this. And I just want to leave you with a couple things really quick. What did I learn through this experience? Number one, I think the biggest thing that I've learned and that has stuck with me through God in my life and through listening to this song and through the journey that God has taken me through is, is this. We have to stop striving towards redemption and we have to start living out of redemption. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me say that again. We got to stop striving towards redemption and start living out of redemption. Let, let me give you the analogy. We do this all the time. We think that Christian life is a race to be won, and at the finish line is redemption. At the finish line, if we do the right things, if we say the right things, and we make all the right choices, that at the end we'll be rewarded with heaven, and everything will be great, and we'll be made new, and everything, all the bad things will go away. That's just not how it works. The reality is, is redemption isn't the finish line in this race. Redemption is the starting line. I'm redeemed. I'm not working towards any redemption. I stand before you redeemed. You stand before me redeemed. And I am redeemed every day. Every second of my life, God is redeeming me. God is redeeming me. Every moment of my life, God is redeeming me. I am not working towards redemption. I live in redemption every single day. And when you start to understand that foundational truth, it shakes your mindset because I don't do things to win points to get to heaven. Where in the Bible does it say that? I don't do things to be a good person, to get somewhere. I live out of redemption. I do good things because I'm a redeemed man. And the the love of Christ flows through me. You know, my wife and I are watching this great show, and it's called The Good Place. Has anyone seen The Good Place? There's a couple of people. Yeah, you saw. It's a good show. You were probably watching it a little earlier today. No? (laughs) And, uh... It's the show. It's actually really funny. It's this lady, and she's, she's a really bad person, like a bad person. And uh, I feel like I'd be friends with her, though. And um, she, she dies, and she goes to heaven. And she realizes once she's in heaven, she's like, oh, crap, uh, someone screwed up. I'm not supposed to be here. And she's in heaven, and, and you find out that how you get to heaven is you essentially have to do all these good things in your life, and that gets you to heaven. And, but what happens is all these good people are in heaven, but they're all just a bunch of people who tried their hardest to do good things, and they got points, and, and they're just kind of crappy people because all they did was try to accumulate points throughout their lives. 
And I was laughing as we watched this because it's like sometimes as Christians we do that. We think that our value or God's love or our impact in the world is based on how many points we did, how many points we got because we fed this homeless person or prayed for this person or did this or that. I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are good things. We should do them every day, but we just got to understand they don't get us anywhere. We do them because the love of God is in us. Does that make sense? And once I started realizing that I'm redeemed, I don't, I'm not working towards redemption. I, I live in it. It changed how I act. It changed how I thought. And understanding that it's, it's a continual process. It's not like I'm redeemed and then, oh, I slide down and, oh, I got to, okay, God, please redeem me again. I'm going to use my redemption coupons. Like, it's not how it works, right? I'd be way out of coupons by now. I'd be like, I'd be done because I need redemption every single day. IOUs, that's right. The truth is, is that we got to walk from redemption. Because it says this in Ephesians. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to his amazing grace. It does not say in him, it does not say we have redemption through our good works. We have redemption through how much we pray. We have redemption through any of these things. It says we have redemption through his blood, a gift given to us. And so my challenge to you is, do you know that you're redeemed? Do you know that you're redeemed every single day? Do you know that God is continually making you a new creation? Because if you don't, you should. Because if you don't, you're not living for the, the, the true person that you are. And that's the greatest trick of the enemy is to convince you that you're someone that you're not. The enemy wants to convince you that you have to work towards redemption. And it's just not true. That doesn't mean we don't pray. That doesn't mean we don't read our Bibles. That doesn't mean any of that. Of course, we continue to do that. We just don't do it out of obligation to win over God's love. Nothing you can do can make God love you more. God loves you. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Secondly, we're almost done here. Sorry, I went a little longer. You guys getting this? Makes sense? Secondly, what I learned is that God will always give you what you need. See, what I thought I needed in that moment when I was sitting there in a basement with no lights, I thought I needed a TV. I thought I needed maybe an, an Xbox, you know, maybe a pretty girlfriend to keep me company. I don't know, something, you know? Even a towel would have been nice, you know? I was drip drying. Yeah, toilet paper. There's leaves. I had leaves. It was good. No, I think we had toilet paper. We weren't that poor. Um, but I thought I needed these things. I, saw, I thought I needed a distraction. I thought I needed something to entertain me. You know what God said? He's like, God, you don't need any of that. You know what you need? You need a tape player and a tape. That's what you need. Because at that moment, that tape player and that tape brought me closer to God than any other thing that could have been in that room. And so although I wanted a TV, I wanted comforts, I wanted all of these things, God says, listen, I know what you want, but, but more than that, I know what you need. And, my, and I can understand that now. Now, looking back, I understand that, and I'm like, thank you, God, for not. Because if I had all the distractions, if I had all the comforts, I don't think I would have sought God out as much as I did. Because I was so broken and so alone that I sought God out with everything I possibly could. 
And God spoke to me, and Levi said this to me earlier today, and he said, you know, the challenge is it's easy to look back on that and say, okay, God, thank you. But my challenge to all of us, including myself right now, is can we say it in the moment? Can we say it in the moment when, when, we, when we can't see that God is giving us what, I, what we need? I can promise you God is giving you and will continue to give you what you need. But my prayer for you is that you would understand and that you would look to him and say, Father, I trust you that you have given me what I need. And if I lack anything, give it to me. But sometimes we have to shatter our, our expectations of what we think we need. Because I don't think, you know, potentially if I had all those things, who knows if I would be speaking about what I'm speaking about today. And finally, to close it off, God wants to speak to you. God doesn't speak to us in in a particular way. He doesn't speak to everyone the same way. He speaks to all of us in different ways. For you, it might be through writing. For, it might be through a, a, something you see. It might be, God might speak to you audibly. For me, it was, it was through a song. And my encouragement to you is, I was frustrated because I came out of a charismatic movement, and I've talked about this before, but you know, everyone talked about the, like how God just speaks to you in crazy ways. And, and I, I was really frustrated as a new Christian because I couldn't hear his voice the way, I, the way I heard other people were telling me they could hear his voice. And it wasn't until I stopped trying to hear God's voice in a certain way that I actually heard his voice. And for me, it was just through a simple song that said, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus talks about us being sheep. And he says that the sheep hear the master's voice because they know him and the, and the shepherd knows the sheep. Right? And I am happy. You know, sometimes being a sheep is like a derogatory term where it's like, oh, you're just a sheep. You just follow whatever. And it's like, no, I'm a, I'm a Jesus sheep straight up. I will, you know, Jesus can shepherd me wherever he wants to go. I'm, I'm going to listen to Jesus. And, and Jesus said, listen, you will hear my voice. And so my encouragement to you is just ask God to speak to you. Because he will, whether it's through a song, whether it's through who knows. And again, this could be a whole sermon on its own. But God will speak to you. So I share all that just to say that you are redeemed through the grace of God. And it doesn't matter if you're perfect or imperfect. Because the truth is, is we're all imperfect. And my encouragement to you today is God loves you. And I know this, man, this is a, a cheesy Christian cliche. God loves you. But, but let's just hear the truth of that. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter if you don't know who Jesus is. It doesn't matter if you've just accepted Jesus five minutes ago or you've been a Christian for five years. His love for you is the same. Every single person in this room was meant to make a difference, was born to make a difference, was born to live in communion with God. And so my encouragement to you is that if God can speak to me in my lowest of times, in my darkest of times, he can speak to you, and he will. And you don't, you don't have to go through my story. If you have a story where you were raised in a Christian home and everything was perfect, God bless you. That's amazing. That is a powerful story of the love of God and, and your parents and everything. 
So don't look at my story and say, oh, well, Stuart was just so broken that God only speaks to people who are so broken. No, it's, God speaks to every single one of us. And so if I can leave you with that, it's that. Just be encouraged. If God can work through me, he can work through you, and he loves you. I'm going to pray. Can we get, uh, is Colin around or no? No? Did he leave? He took off? He's there. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. I'm going to get Colin to, to lead us in this song. And let's just sing it as a congregation and allow God to speak to you. And I'm just going to pray before we do that. And, and uh, yeah, we'll let Colin lead. So, Father, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you that your blood washes me, washes all my sins, and makes me whole. God, I ask that every person in this room today would get an understanding of your love for them, an understanding of your grace for them, and how you redeem them, and you continually redeem them, that no one is too far gone. Like we, like we sang in an, in an earlier song, there's no mountain that you wouldn't climb for us. And so, God, I just ask that you open our hearts to understand your love and that you would impact every single person in this room. Thank you for who you are. In your name, amen. All right, God bless you guys. Thank you so much.